Hello, dear friends. <laughs> Howdy. They're slurping that shit like it was a slurpee. Episode five. Cinco. Wow, five already. Five already. I know, we've been banging these out quick, man. Super quick. Gotta say, it's pretty fun. It is fun. I love podcasting, and it's so fun. It's just fun to be real and talk, and, uh, you know, I said a lot, but I love the ha- Heretic Happy Hour. But I feel like... Yeah, it's a great podcast. Well, thank you. I feel like it's 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 cool to have something on the side, like, the, not on the side. This is definitely not something we're doing on the side. In fact, we're going to be releasing weekly, <laughs> so it's going to be more often. Oh, with, really? With, with I this? Didn't know that. Oh, yeah. We're doing it weekly, so we're going to be releasing weekly. That's news you to go. you, huh? It is. Yeah. If, if you're cool with that. <laughs> uh, right? As, as long as it doesn't cramp my style. As long as it doesn't cut into this show. That's fine. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. This show is going to be weekly. Heretic Happy Hour is going to stay bi weekly. Okay. Well, yeah. All right. That, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. So this isn't my side piece. <laughs> but it's just fun to have a conversation and be real. Like, <clears throat> I think a lot of times when you're a author or a podcaster, or you do a show and people know who you are. Like they don't see the real you as as real as you try to be in content that you're creating. I feel like this is much more real. It's just raw. It's real. It's we talk about all sorts of shit. We go down rabbit trails. Yeah, it's not a it's not a note taking podcast, <laughs> as we said. <laughs> no, it's the kind of podcast I would want to listen to. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would sure. like that people care more about us than with what we're actually saying. I hope so. <laughs> as little as you know us. Yeah, you don't. At yeah. this point. It's hard. Yeah. You'll get to know us. You'll get, I hope you like us. If you're listening to the show, you'll like us. And if you don't like us, you'll stop. That's the beauty of <laughs> a free society. Yeah. Yeah. Should be no skin off your back either way. No, we're good either way. You listen. That's great. If you don't listen... That's still cool. You're still invited to sit around the bonfire and chat with us if you ever decide to come back. <laughs> it's an yeah. open it's an open table, like Jesus' table. <laughs> You're, it's you open. Go. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, and you won't you won't miss any of the um there's no plot. Yeah, so you can just uh pick it up whenever. Yeah. yeah there's no plot. There's there's uh I got six notes here for this show and they're all less than a sentence so right and as we found out they're really more suggestions than what yeah. we're actually going to talk about if we but, get to yeah. it we get to it if we don't well fuck it we don't <laughs> it'll probably be fine yeah. yeah i hope so but anyway we got uh this episode is brought to you by we got uh, proper 12 is the whiskey it's not brought to you by so but it's what we're drinking it's triple distilled. I never care about that shit. Like some some things you read, it's even, like right, it's been distilled nine hundred and seventy four yeah. times. Like, oh, so. I mean, good, yeah, cool. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's Irish whiskey, a smooth blend with hints of vanilla, honey, and toasted wood. Perfect <laughs> for the bonfire sessions. Do you, do you get any of that shit? Vanilla, I honey, was gonna say, and toasted I didn't, wood. I don't notice vanilla. No, it to me it tastes like whiskey. <laughs> what? What what were they again? Vanilla, vanilla, and- honey, and toasted wood. That's what she said. No, I don't get any of that. It is smooth though. It does say a smooth blend. It's really smooth. Yeah, it's kind of tasty. Yeah, it's kind of like. Um, I mean, it's smooth like Cooper's Mark. 
It doesn't have the bite like uh, what? What was it? Tullamore Dew. I would say it has a bite, but not as much as that. Sure, yeah. it's got a little bite, a little nibble. There you a, go. a, a yeah. friendly bite, a playful <laughs> bite. No, nothing to be afraid of. No, nothing to be too afraid of. Yeah, so that's the whiskey choice of this evening, and it's a nice evening. We had some hail earlier. Holy shit! You sent me that picture. <laughs> it did look like Mordor, huh? Yeah, from from Orville, it was just a black wall of cloud. Yeah. With lightning and stuff. Could you, it was pretty dramatic. Could you see the lightning? I did, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The hail was coming down like insane, man. It, yeah, how big? Well, it wasn't big. It was just, it was a just lot. A lot yeah. Just a lot of little pellets. And I was doing my, my farmer's market job and barely, almost got caught up in it. I had to come home before delivering the groceries because I was like, I'm not unloading this shit. <laughs> it was a crazy storm. Wow. We've had a lot of those crazy storms here though, man. A lot of them. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's kind of the marker for me, but it seems like ever since the fire, everything has been very end of the world Z-ish in terms of where. Yeah, just a liberal. You're just such a liberal with that climate change shit. So, so be it. Yeah. Uh, I don't deny science. that at all. <laughs> Goddamn liberal agenda, that science. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> What do they say? We got like 10 years left, 12, before we're sort of fucked. I mean, we're already fucked, right? But like before we're fucked, fucked. Well, I keep on hearing news stories that, you know, it's, it's accelerating faster than scientists have thought. Um, it's not good. And that was, you know, that was when I heard like 50 years. Um, it's, pr- yeah, it's, it's probably down to at least 10 in the next two years, it'll be down to two. <laughs> I mean, right. I would imagine like by next year, we'd be saying, you know, who uh, I heard that 200 million Americans will be affected by flooding this spring. Damn. How many, how many people live in the States? 400 million, three something. I mean, no more than double that. I would think. Yeah. So half, half the country would be affected by flooding. I thought it was like 350 million. Yeah, maybe. So more than half. If my math is correct, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm no mathematician. <laughs> right. But, you know, part of that is going to be in the Central Valley, of course, probably. I mean, I would I would think that Chico and Orville would be. We've had some of it this year. I remember right after the fire, I was working with a client in Durham, which is like 10 minutes outside of Chico. Mm-hmm. And I got evacuated. <laughs> I was like, really? And I, I had to drive through a river. Shit was flooding like yeah. crazy. Yeah, I remember that. We've just been getting torrential downpours. It's like, it's not just raining. It's like pouring. When it rains, it pours, as they say. It's like monsoonal rain. Yeah. Every time. It feels different. Yeah, it does feel different. It's a different feel to it. Scary, man. It's kind of frightening. A little bit. It is. And part of me feels like, (laughs) well, I don't know exactly what it makes me feel. Feel like, it does feel like the end of the world, but. But not, maybe. Like, like it's. Surreal? Thank you. No, surreal. Okay, well, sorry, just like I said, like after the fire, it seems like everything feels different. Hmm. Um, it does feel different. I mean, we've been in a drought for a long time here in California, but it does feel different. It feels like spooky. And it's not just here in California. Like There's some crazy shit going every year. Like There'll be some crazy hurricane this year, guaranteed. 
next in the summer, I guarantee California will have a crazy fire. Like we've had what three of the most destructive fires in the history of California within the last three years, Santa Rosa, Redding, and now paradise. Yeah. Yeah. So damn, can't deny that. I mean, you can't, I know we can't live totally on anecdotes, but it's like the anecdotes line up with the science. And it's like, well, the science says this, and then you see the anecdotes. You're like, damn, it's kind of verified being verified all the time. Like every year there's some crazy shit, hurricanes, fires, yeah. If I were a conservative, I, I would probably be feeling very uncomfortable right now. Like some revelation type shit? Could I, or could there actually be some to this stuff? <laughs> oh, like you'd start to become swayed? They seem to stand pretty firm in their camp. I mean, sorry, reason has never been their strong point. Wow, wow. It's not. <laughs> reason, evidence, yeah. Yeah. It, a lot of people don't like the evidence. Doesn't fit with their view. Doesn't fit with their worldview. Right. But, I mean, it doesn't fit with, yeah, their worldview. I mean, God forbid that they would have to change their lifestyle. You know, if it meant you think you think like conservative evangelicals would be the first to be like, yeah, climate change is of course real. That's that's their eschatology. That's their like left behind type shit. Like you watch Left Behind, yeah, right? Or you read totally. the books, and it's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? What did you think it was going to look like? <laughs> now I'm on the other side, like, oh shit, maybe I need to, <laughs> I need to read Left Behind. That's well, some solid theology, <laughs> right? No, I mean they were probably expecting to beamed up right before all this stuff happened. Yeah, some of them. What they split up. Some of them believe in beaming up before the the raptures before all the shit hits the fan some of them believe it's in the middle of the pretty middle uh, yeah fan sh- shit fan hitting <laughs> and then some are after yeah yeah i i never studied that but yeah I, I remember that i never studied it i was given it though were you given a rapture you were given a rapture theology right i mean you you knew about it did not you ever, really did you ever believe it no i because my dad nipped it in the bed pretty soon pretty He's quick like, yeah yeah you don't have to read that stuff oh, that's <laughs> usually good. usually he doesn't give me a whole lot of guidance when it comes to what i'm reading but it's very philosophical of him <laughs> <laughs> so it meant something when he said that yeah it's like this one don't no. don't don't do that one that's some bullshit mm-hmm. see I, I was on the other end though hook line and sinker man uh, rapture so you bought into it a little bit well because i was told it at such a young age right I mean, this is my worldview from the time I can remember. I remember being scared. There's that scene, I think, and I I don't even think I've seen Left Behind, but there's all these like vignettes and short videos of rapture type dramatizations and people coming home to like their parents not being there, but their clothes are on the floor or on the bed, like where they were laying. Like if my parents were late, I was like, "Uh oh, I didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I looked at too much porn and and said fuck too many times right. and so it made sense why you didn't you weren't being left <laughs> yeah God's like looking at me like mm, yeah I mean you say Jesus but I don't think you're gonna quite cut it my friend you got seven yeah. more years to figure this shit out because <laughs> you're not coming on the first try you gotta work through some shit first your faith is pretty lukewarm right now. Ooh, and that's the worst. That's Better the worst. to be hot and cold, right? I was always given like the coffee analogy, like iced coffee is good, hot coffee is good. You get some of that sitting on the counter coffee. Yeah. 
And that's what God's going to do to you. <laughs> Which is funny here. because that's when most of the flavors come out, I feel. Oh, really? Just, you like that? I think it's the same thing with beer, too. Like, I, I totally get why they serve that uh, warmer. Over, oh, really? Yeah. Like, over ice cold? In Britain. Yeah. Oh, they do that in Britain? Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I always thought it was funny that, like, beer companies here, like, we've got the coldest beer, and it's like, you could put anything in a fucking fridge and make it cold. <laughs> what the fuck is that? How is that, <laughs> how's that a marketing, like, how's that a gold star for you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not really bragging, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I could piss in a jar and stick it in my freezer. It's going to be cold as fuck. Cold piss, yeah. <laughs> very, very refreshing. Very refreshing. It tastes like natty ice. <laughs> some, Michelob, some Michelob Ultra. No, that's my, that's my urine, but it's cold. <laughs> I would I would honestly still have rather have ice cold beer. But I, I get I get, you know. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that room temperature is the worst thing. Yeah, well God would. Anymore. He's gonna spit Apparently, you out. Yeah. He's gonna spit you out. And this brings us to our topic, like a goddamn pro. He's gonna spit you out into the nice. flames of hell. Nice. I thought it'd be fun to talk about hell. We talked about fear a lot in the last episode. How everyone's living with fear existential fear fear of hell fear of the afterlife even fear what god's going to do to you like even if you're a christian a lot of people i think are still it's that it's that proverbs verse that i kept butchering <laughs> the you know the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom i got it right that time right 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 and they live with that fear of god because god is just and holy and if he wants he can send you to hell and I mean, that's kind of Calvinistic. And the retort would be from the Arminians would be like, no, you send yourself, but that's, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> that seems so weak to me. The The Arminian argument definitely seems the weakest for sure. I mean, because who, who, who wants to send themselves to hell? Like if you're saying that you want to be sent to hell, you're not buying into what, your Armenian background is saying hell is like. I mean, even if it's not technically fire and brimstone, nobody is saying that is saying anything that would um, convey that it's a place that you want to be. Um, no, nobody it, is saying even if you don't believe in literal fire and flames or flames. Um, yeah, it's always put across as something that you definitely want to avoid. Oh, for sure. And if someone was of the right mind, they would always avoid it. I mean, that's just like I, ha I have an uncle who was always just like he wanted to go to hell. When <laughs> that's what he would say. And I was, you know, an evangelical, and I was just like kind of worried about that. Then you realize how preposterous that is. Like no one wants to be tortured, or no one wants to be in agony, whatever that means. And you could still be in agony without the fire and brimstone shit. But that, right. no. there's, I mean, there's psycho psychological agony. Sure. No one's going to choose that. I mean, they're making that so-called choice or they're saying those words from some place of, I don't know, either confusion, delusion, whatever. But it's never, it's never a free choice to be like, yeah, let's stick my hand in this fire and hold it there. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Like you're, you're deranged. Like seriously, Unless you're making a point, you're making, you know, like that, that dude who lit himself on fire to protest, you know, 
okay, now you're making a you're making a political point, but no one's like freely choosing like no and, and, to stay in that circumstance forever and ever and ever. No, and yeah, I mean, I would think that he's <clears throat> not under the impression that he's going to be on flames for all eternity. This is, I mean, <laughs> he probably figures he's going to be a fire for like a, a minute. <laughs> And, he's, and that'll be it. He seemed okay with it either way. <laughs> It'd be like, okay, there's proof that someone can be thrown to hell and be like, all right, I'm good. I could, I can meditate my way out of this shit. <laughs> well, okay, but if you if you were under the impression when you were going into that act that you're going to be doing this for all eternity, oh, you wouldn't do it. On, I I think that would change things for that monk. I, I don't think he would do it. No. He would have. I mean, I'm sure he would have found the idea of eternal torment absurd. I mean, it is absurd. Any, I mean, I think any rational person, any reasonable person who's not living out of this total place of like existential fear thinks it's absurd. I mean, w- without without like without certain biblical, st- no one's going to come up with this stuff and be like, yeah, this is the most rational argument. You're going to be tortured forever because you chose to be tortured forever. Or on the flip side, you're gonna to be tortured forever because God can, like the Calvinists say. Like this is, this is stupid. <laughs> it's stupid. Well, for me, I don't know if it falls on the level of an argument. I mean, just because something isn't happening right now, just because <laughs> I've seen no evidence of something up until this point doesn't mean that it's not going to happen in the future but i don't see so i think meaning because you haven't seen hell it still could be i think i think it's still a logical possibility like i don't think it's an absurdity say that we get beamed to another dimension where you know where that should happen hell exists i mean i don't think it's a logical impossibility but unless we have and I'm sorry, the Bible isn't great but, enough evidence for me. Because you don't have faith. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you, I view, I view the Bible as a historical document. I, I view it as this is how people have tried to figure out God throughout, throughout right. the ages. I mean, right. you know, you have a dim view, you know, back be, be, towards yeah. Uh, Job. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps, and then you, and then we get more enlightened towards the New Testament. But we we don't have an account where God handed us this Bible and He said, "This is literally what is going to happen." And even if you did, it's very, it's still open to interpretation. Like even if you're a fundamentalist, you still can't reject all the passages that are way more universalistic than they would like to admit. So you could be, I think you could be a conservative universalist, let's say. It's still not clear. Like even if God wrote it, the evidence is still not, the case is not shut that people are lost. Sure. No, totally. Yeah. So, right. And because of all that stuff, I, if I were, if I were sent to hell, I wouldn't think it a logical impossibility, but I would think that I mean, my conscience, my conscience would be clear. I mean, I, like you just said, I mean, there's evidence in the Bible for, uh, you know, even if I haven't lived a perfect life, you know, uh, 
grace abounds. Yeah. Right. I think if you were sent to hell, you could definitely sit there and say, well, God's not love. <laughs> I mean, he's not, he's sure. not love, like love itself, capital yeah. L, you know, he might've been loving in certain instances throughout the eons to certain people. Right. I mean, he sent rain. Yeah. Uh, when I'm thirsty and such, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's neither here nor there at this point because I could use some right now and right where are you at right and I had friends and family and yeah, yeah. where are they at yeah. yeah I've never understood that one like if you say God is love and eternal hell exists like I I'm not sure how you can recognize reconcile that I mean I guess that's what the Arminians do. But then it gets again. It gets back to really, a loving God's going to allow someone deranged to continue to <laughs> perpetuate their own objective agony forever and ever and ever. And even if they were like, "Okay, now I'm done. I get it." What? It's too yeah. late. It's too late. Even after they've learned their lesson, you like know? they're they're there for a billion years, and they're like, "Okay, God, I'm sorry. I fucked up. Let me out." Was he going to do that? Or they're never going to say that. They're just going to sit there for a billion years and then another billion and another billion. And they're still going to be stubborn? Like that's, nah. It just seems weak. I guess it's logically possible, but it just seems weak. That's a weak argument. Well, I mean, I, I suppose after maybe the first billion years when I realized that I'm going to be in here forever, yeah, I'll just go back to uh, screw it. Yeah. Fuck you, God. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'll just go back into my old ways, my own uh, mental thought patterns. Yeah. But eventually, just seems like no one's that stubborn. I've never met someone that stubborn. Right. I mean, that that's all assuming that, yeah, there's a point to hell. I mean, I, I see, I see the point of purgatory. That makes sense to me. But, that makes more sense. It's re- yeah. it's experiential. Like if, if uh, like I don't believe in time out, but if parents put their kids on time out, like you sit here for a little bit, think about what you did. Like that okay, at least makes sense. Like sit there in mm-hmm. purgatory and think about what you did, you little motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. But, but the point is always to bring you back. Right. It's never the intent Com- is never that you just sit complete there. Complete banishment. Yeah. <laughs> you're in your room until you're eighteen. <laughs> What? I'm only nine. Yeah. Tough shit. I'm holy and just. <laughs> uh, I mean, all right, but can't I uh, get a little air? Jeez. Just a, just a little bit. A little water because these flames are hot. I mean, look at this bonfire. It's not even that hot. The fire, I mean, it's good. It's gonna. I got to put some wood on it in a little bit, but could you imagine, like, if you just walked over in there and they're like, shoved your hand in there I would just think like dude I don't think I should do a podcast with this dude anymore he's kind of (laughs) insane like this dude's nuts whatever he decides is like skewed because he's got some fuck he's fucked up he needs help he needs help I don't think well to that to that point um, I don't think people have really sat and meditated on you know actually what what it would be like to you know Sit on a coal, sit on flames, be in flames for all eternity. 
I did when I was growing up. I used to think about what it'd be like to be in there forever, like a billion years, and then it just keeps going. It would blow my mind apart. Like eternity, infinity. I would think of it in this traditional time everlasting way, minute by minute, minute by minute. And it would just like scare the shit out of me, dude. But I don't, I don't think, I think you're right. Most people see. I, I, I didn't. I didn't do that. No, I didn't. Huh. Maybe uh, because something inside me saw the absurdity. I don't know. I mean, not that you aren't as spiritually wise as me, but I don't know. No, I was just a wee lad, though. You know, I was just a little kid. You can convince little kids of a lot of shit. You can convince them of whatever you want to convince them of. You know what I mean? Like, you get a four or five-year-old, you can tell them whatever asinine shit, Easter bunny that lays eggs, a, a, a fat dude in a red suit that comes down your chimney, even if you don't have a fireplace. <laughs> like, you can convince them whatever kind of shit you want. Yeah, no, that's right. They don't. They don't have the tools to <clears throat> combat that. Like I didn't have the tools to really combat it until I was what twenty seven. Maybe it takes a while. Yeah, I didn't read this article, but I just saw the headline. Like, you're not really like an adult. I don't know how they define this until your thirties. So yeah. I didn't read the article, so I don't know how they were de- defining adulthood. But <clears throat> maybe in terms of brain development or social development. Um, it's well, not, I think, it's not until, no. it's not until third. I mean, that feels, that feels right. Anecdotally. Yeah. I mean, either way, I think it's definitely re- related to brain development. I think it has to be. Oh yeah. That seems about true. But even then, I mean, it's like, it's funny. They, they would always tell you like the age of accountability and that always seemed really weird too. What was it like seven? <laughs> I heard 12. 12, even 12 seems ridiculous. Yeah. Like when you're 13, you can decide to go to hell even for it. 25 you, seems ridiculous. You know what you were doing when you were 13? Jesus. Like 13 years old, you could decide your eternal fate? No, I, I think... What? I think teenagers are literally retarded when it comes <laughs> to brain development. They're not... No, they're not yeah. fully functioning. They're not like developed at all. It's It's like... Really? You can decide the ultimate fate of your entire existence when you're sticking your dick in between couch cushions and shit. Like, (laughs) like, like 13, 14 year old boys will stick their dick in anything. And you got to make a, you got to make the choice of God. What? Hell? Heaven? Afterlife? What? Does that not seem, I mean, if you're listening to this, does that not seem just completely absurd? Logically, I suppose possible. I suppose. But experientially, just like, come on, man. That's come on. No, but do we do we ever think of Jesus as being horny in that kind of way? Uh, Jesus as being horny? Like, has has Jesus ever been a horny teenager? Of course, he woke up with erections. I think there's no evidence of this. But I've never met a teenage boy that doesn't wake up with a boner in the morning, and not know what to do with it. I right, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, you never woke up with a boner? No, never. I mean. Or have <laughs> lion ass. So I didn't have to deal with that stuff. I mean, I, I'm sorry for you guys. Oh, you didn't? That's awful. good. God bless you. You must be some sort of holy man sent from above to, to tell us about the ways of God. No, yeah. I, th- I think Jesus like got angry and frustrated and had boners and took shits and had a 
stomach ache and blew his nose onto his robe and <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's how i understand life i mean that's, that's how yeah that's how every human being i've ever met understands life but jesus was different so if he's okay. different then how can he be our uh what's the uh What's the what's the Christian term? Our uh, our priest or our uh... yeah, our priest, the Son of Man, the Messiah. Um, how can he be in the line of David? How can he be the true human? Did I get it yet? There's a no, lot of there's a lot of terms for Jesus. <laughs> no, I think one of those. Well, yeah. Yeah, they have to fit. Yeah. How can he relate to us if he's if he's not like that? I mean, if Jesus was like, no, I never, never thought about sex ever. You're like. Hmm. I would just ask him, well, then how are you supposed to understand what it's like to be me? Or every other dude I've met. You never got frustrated at your mom when you were 13? So we can't relate, I guess, in any way. No. So So what good is that, Jesus? What good good are you? Right. Not to be a prick, but what good would you be? I mean, that's cool that you never had experienced that, but now you're not relating to me on a human level. But that's okay. Send me to hell, like I, I guess, because <laughs> I got it wrong, or I I got it wrong, so I continued to send myself to hell. I suppose. Well, I mean, can I just believe that uh, he and God exist, and that's all I need to not go to hell? No, you have to confess your sins, and you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Right. So even if I I struggled with all these things, I mean. Even though they're technically sin, I mean, isn't there a thought within mainline Christianity that I just have, even I just have to recognize that I sinned, and that you know, I think so. God, Jesus exists, like you know, the Easter Bunny, yeah, and Santa Claus, yeah, and that and leprechauns, <laughs> <laughs> right. I well, say that all in jest, of course, because it's impossible to figure out <laughs> what the entrance requirement into heaven is within, especially Arminianism. I mean, it totally seems with Calvinism, it seems more cut and dried. Either you're chosen to get in, or or you weren't. It doesn't matter what you do. No, so and then and then they would they would retort to say, well, it. It matters as evidence of that you're elect, but yeah, ultimately God saves you or he doesn't. So, so why, I mean, why proselytize? Well, because we don't know who's saved and who's not. Well, ultimately, doesn't, we just keep going like this reductio ad and we just add oh, infinitum backwards, like ad infinitum and yeah. infinitum, and we just yeah. go back and back. Well, we don't know who it is. Well, it doesn't matter who it is because God already elected him or didn't. So, it has a, it has a whole lot of explanatory power after the fact. Yeah, like if you didn't make it to the, to heaven, well, obviously it's because God is holy and He's other, completely other and set apart. And He, through His holiness, decided to save you or not. And you're just a wretched sinner, and everyone's a sinner, and so He's merciful in who He wants because He can. Sh- sure, sure. <laughs> in a nutshell, <laughs> that's my book on Calvinism. Is in a nutshell, I just wrote it. And and within that grid, it's probably pretty easy to explain why a certain soul didn't make it right because because no souls make it god saves you or he doesn't i mean no soul makes it on their own merit at all 
So yeah, that does have more explanatory power. But in the Armenian world, it seems a little wonky. Once saved, always saved, or no, you have to continue to persevere. Well, that's did you? What did you do to freely choose God, and what does that mean? Did you choose Him as your Lord and Savior? Did you confess Jesus your sins? And if you did that once, are you good? Are you good from now on? And if you're if you continue in your sin, or you backslide, or you become apostate, well, then are you going to hell? Well, if yes, then I guess you have to explain it that you never really confessed your sins; you only thought you did, and you you know it's just like weird. It's it's weird. It's strange. It's like a Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, explain that for our listeners. I mean, for me. <laughs> what is that again? <laughs> well, it's like a little ball that goes on a track and it somehow, you know, it makes little things happen along, really complicated things. It's a very complicated path towards the end, basically. Uh, that does seem like what Christianity is. You got to make or, sure you cross your T's and dot your I's and get everything right. I mean, spiritual gymnastics, I think, would be a simpler yeah. Yeah. A way to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it it seems entirely too much to handle after a while. Like I know 80 years of life, I've only lived 36 is still nothing in comparison to the grand scheme of things, but it does seem like if you live 80 years to just make sure you get it right the whole time. And e- even if you're like, well, you don't have to get right it the whole time because every sinner is every saved person's a sinner still. But you have to get the ultimate you have to get the ultimate answer right. You still have to make the right choice. Because the difference between a saved person and an unsaved person is the choice they made. It's really the only the only fundamental difference, right? I mean, by right, by what other mark would somebody be saved? I mean, yeah. So Jesus offered the salvation to the sinner or to the unsaved and the saved, and the only fundamental difference is the person chose Jesus. Well then they they had to get it right. They had to get the right choice. They had to be compelled by something in order to be saved. Well, that just seems entirely too much of a burden to, to place on people. Like your ultimate destiny. I mean, the, the universe is 13.8 billion years old. We live 50, you know, you know 40, 2,000 years ago. 30 was the expect- life expectancy. Now it's 80 something in the States. Around the world, it's much less. And you're talking an infinite choice to you make this one time about the right savior in 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years of life. And you're talking the age of the universe is nothing in comparison to heaven or hell in the evangelical model. That seems yeah. very burdensome. I thought Jesus' yoke was easy and his burden light. Like this Christian thing seems the opposite. And it's not just Christianity. A lot of religions have hell, but right. this is our context, right? We come from a Christian world. <clears throat> so you speak to that. I mean, I don't imagine that they care a whole lot. I mean, even though in their Bible, like you just said, Jesus said that the burden is light. I don't think that most pastors or leaders within the Armenian church really care if it's a burden on you. I mean, that's should You should care, right? I mean, I mean, I think that you should care, but I don't think they do. I mean, they're they don't really they don't care about this life so much. I mean, no, they don't seem to. I think most would say they do, but ultimately, I think people are living for the after. They'll even say it. Some will say it. 
I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the next. Yeah. I, I, uh, in this world, but not of it. Yeah. Um, and it means what they want it to mean instead of it can mean some other things. But I would say that too. I, I want to be in this world, but not of this world. We just have to mean what it means. to. We have to say what it means to be in and of and what this world means. Like, I think you can interpret that many different ways. They interpret it as, I guess, the ancient heresy. They would be heretics in this. And I, I don't use that term lightly. But they would be heretics in that that's a fundamentally Gnostic view. They would see the flesh order as like kind of fundamentally bad and the spirit order as good. And they would they would have this dualistic split between the created order and the non-create or the spiritual order. And they would say, I want nothing to do with the flesh order and I want everything to do with the spirit order or this world and that world. But in the Bible, it says to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Like this earth is, it's good to live here. It's good to be here. It's good to be here now. <clears throat> you know, it's it's not a bad thing. No, even people that aren't necessarily universalists like uh, N.T. Wright. I mean, he uses the language of um, uh, the new, or well, the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah, um, he would speak. Yeah, he would be nodding right along with this. Mm -hmm. He would disagree with the, yeah, the universalist stuff. I, I although I don't think he would say we should be like excommunicated from the church or something or that we shouldn't be welcome at our church. He would seem like a chap who is uh, <laughs> much more open to the idea. Mm -hmm. And if he ended up being wrong about it, I don't think he would be all fired up and pissed off about it like some Christians seem to be. No, he'd probably be like, oh, so the universalist got it right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So explain <laughs> to me how that happened. He seemed like he'd be want yeah. to, he'd want to be curious about it and like okay so explain to me this this where I was wrong. I would feel comfortable with him at the table with uh, you and me, Alan Watts and my dad and uh, <laughs> uh, I would want to ask George him. Thomas. I would want to ask him how he, what where how he thinks people get to hell or continue to be in hell. I don't think he'd be Calvinist. I don't want to speak for him, but I don't get the impression that he'd be calvinistic well do you think that he would say might be a free will defense well do you think he thinks that where the tree falls there shall it lie like maybe that'd be kind of predestination-ish right i, mean, I don't know what are Ang it? he's anglican right i don't know much anglican theology or do like, I? almost catholic <laughs> i think that's the only thing i know no i i know a little bit but I would be curious as where people like that would fall on how people end up in hell. I've certainly liked most of what N.T. Wright writes. A lot of it, not all of it, but he's just, he's a step in the right direction, especially from where I came, like the left behind mm -hmm. stuff. Like he, nice. could, he could debunk that in a fucking second yeah. and does a great job of it. But yeah. Right. I mean, it's been a while, but much of his stuff I mean, doesn't really explicitly talk about universalists. I mean, it's... I've never really heard him talk much about hell. Heaven and hell. I mean, heaven and right. heaven as, you know, kingdom of heaven now and, you know, bringing heaven to earth, that kind of stuff. But I haven't heard yeah. much of his eschatology, yeah. actually. But this isn't the N.T. Wright podcast, though. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't we didn't have the note to talk about N.T. Wright. I haven't read him in forever. No, but, it's it's been a while for me. I think it was we we read Surprised by Scripture with your dad and we like talked about it. 
That was fun. It was a good chance to hang out with your dad. He's a smart dude. Yeah, he gets to, uh, he got to, you know, read for a living. That's what kind of happens. Yeah. <laughs> when you're a philosophy professor, that's what happens, right? Yeah, and that's why... If you can get a job as a philosopher. <laughs> Which is kind of like the lottery, probably. It seems kind of hard. You can be the smartest dude in the room. <laughs> you're unemployed. <laughs> kind of sucks. I'd rather have money. Yeah. I'd rather have the stability, I mean. <laughs> to be a be a professional dirt bike racer? <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah, and I can just, you know, listen to podcasts while I'm doing that or, you know, that's yeah. how I get educated. It'd be nice to have the type of job where you can listen to podcasts. If you're driving or if you're... Right, and I, I kind of do. Yeah, cleaning I mean, stuff. You can probably just pop the earbuds in and I can't do that. I got to be present with people. Yeah, no, I, I can. I mean, maybe uh, definitely 80, 85% of my time. You know, I can be podcasting. Or listening to podcasts. Or listening. <laughs> It'd be funny if you're walking around cleaning <laughs> stuff while podcasting. Uh, but I might be able to do that. You might. Actually. If the technology is there. That'd be an, like a like a Bluetooth <laughs> thing in your ear. Yeah. That'd be an interesting podcast. I bet it'd be unique, though. This is the Cleaning Toilets podcast. I just talk about whatever <laughs> while cleaning people's shit. Right. I guess I'd listen to that a couple times, see if it's interesting. It's an interesting premise. You might want to you might, <laughs> might want to think about that one for a little bit. I'm sure there would be bugs to work out. Yeah. It'd be funny, like, when people would come up and talk to you and just see how that goes. <laughs> I bet it wouldn't be as interesting as you think. No, this uh, this is definitely more my pace with a fire. You know, the ability to drink whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sober podcasting all day. Ugh. Sounds like that a nightmare. In itself sounds <laughs> terrible. Sober that podcast sounds terrible. I don't. I gotta admit, I don't think I'm inebriated when I create content, write podcast. I'm not stone sober, though. I, I mean, sometimes we record some stuff for the Heretic Happy Hour in the morning, and I'm like, I'm not having a drink. Have some coffee. But I, I will smoke some weed just because it just, like, loosens up the gears, yeah. you know? It's like it's like adding some lubricant to the... Yeah, it loosens the brain muscles. Yeah, right? yeah. And I don't think I've written stone sober. I edit sober sometimes, for sure. Definitely. But I feel like when when you're sober, like, I don't know. It's hard to get, it's hard to be creative. It's hard to be loose. It's hard to free flow. And when you're writing or something, you got to just, you got to flow. You got to flow. Which reminds me, I meant to send you our manuscript. Fuck, I fucked it up. <laughs> I, I didn't even check, so. Oh, okay, good. good. Sorry. Damn. <laughs> slacker uh, it's my bad sorry all right well i'm excited to get back writing in this book man i i kind of don't remember what we wrote in in the first session so for our listeners we're doing this book i think we've said it before uh called the bonfire sessions naturally and we're splitting it up we're doing four booklets it's not really a book it's four booklets kind of come out in 2020 on 420 is the first one Womp womp. 
and that'll be spring and then summer will come out three months later and three months later fall and three months later winter so we finished the spring one before the fire happened man i forget what we wrote i'm i remember liking it but we got to move on and start writing I'm, I'm getting the itch again me too no but i'm excited to see what we wrote i i am curious i, I forgot to it'll be nice to come at it with fresh eyes yeah i think we should yeah. sit on it a little bit longer though that's what you told me Stephen King used to do that, right? He did, yeah. And I, I've always wanted to try it out. We're going to try it on this one. At least sit there for months and months and months right. and, and see. Because our first book, we released immediately. Yeah, we wrote, we went through that and then edited it, edited it, edited it. And then just put it out there. Didn't sit on it. It'd definitely be different if you sat on it and waited and then reevaluated. Sometimes you get too close to the work. You can't step back and see the, you know, it's like the forest and the trees analogy, right? Yeah. I mean, and so when you sit on something that you've created for at least a couple months, at least, and then you can, yeah. what did I write? Oh, okay. Uh, and then you can see things with new eyes and you can, okay, this needs to go in this direction. This isn't quite what I'd want to say. So I hope this book is an improvement with that as a tactic, I guess, <laughs> or a practice. Yeah, I don't see how it couldn't. I don't think I'd ever look back on our first book and um, change it content-wise. Um, just our, I assume it would just change artistically. Um, yeah, I don't think I've changed my views from then. No, I'm still a universalist. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about not being a universalist, going down to that church, the, EV, the evangelical free church down the corner. Yeah, just in case. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> I could never do that, man. I haven't been to church in a minute, man. I haven't been to church in a while. It's been, I'd say, over a year before I, I... I was going to this UCC church in Chico before it shut down. They just didn't have the... You know, they didn't have the... They didn't have the attendance. How's that for me? Yeah, it's all you. All me, dog. <clears throat> but that's been over a year, I think. What about I, you? I go because, well, I go maybe once every <laughs> couple months. If it weren't for my wife, I probably wouldn't go. But I'm happy to go. That's go fine. I mean, yeah, it's fine. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't mind it, but I mean, there's other ways I could find to spend my time. You know, if it were just me. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like I'm missing anything by by not going. By, yeah, by not going. That's what we got to do when we're married. We have kids. We got to do stuff we don't. No, and again, I'm, very, I'm happy to do it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. My wife just has no interest, so yeah. <laughs> works for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get I get the itch every now and then. Like, there's this Unitarian Universalist church down the road for me. I mean, I don't think I'd be a regular attendee, but I might go every now and then. I guess if I might eventually end up there for one Sunday, <clears throat> maybe. I think. Uh, when I first became a universalist, I, I would have had, well, I did. I had a harder time going, um, because I was more offended by what they were saying. Um, and now I feel like, well, just to not be a hypocrite, I know there's things about my theology that, I mean, like Michael Harden said, I'll have to apologize for. So... Even oh, though I feel quote, like quoting Harden, huh? I think I, that's still that's Bernard Bernard Ram or Ram. Oh, he that that's who. He got I think it from. he's yeah. I think so. 
but whatever. Yeah. Good I job. Mean, well done. <laughs> you listened to the talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Even though I feel like eternal conscious torment is a pretty big deal and that you kind of have to get be right about it. But I feel like people should get, I should get to a point where I can hang around with people who I don't agree with. I mean, um, I, yeah, I think that's, I, that, I feel like that should, that should not be a barrier towards me. Um, oh no, sorry. I'm just, I'm looking up at the, uh, at the sky and that's not an airplane. Is that like a satellite? You see that, that light up in the sky just moving? You see it? That's not an airplane, is it, huh? I don't think you could see a satellite from here. It's probably aliens. I don't I don't see it blinking. It's not blinking. I always do you ever look up and uh see this is where the bonfire sessions goes really takes a left turn. <laughs> I always look up in the sky and wonder like, I wanna see some aliens, man. <sighs> I know that that gets me really excited. <laughs> I love thinking about that. <laughs> sorry to sorry to make the the worst segue. <laughs> is is that another podcast? Or? I think eventually we got to talk about aliens, man. I think we got to talk about aliens because I don't I don't have a set view of them. I'm not a conspiracy theorist in that way, but I think some of it's interesting to think about. No, my my main thing is that. Uh, from a mathematical standpoint, I feel like they have to yeah. exist. It, I but, mean, if the universe is infinite. Then there's that physicist, I forget his name. It's not, I want to say Fergie, but that's Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> 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 it's like the paradox where, well, the mathematical probability is there, then why haven't we seen them? So it's like, eh, maybe, but I still think the, ma well, mathematical and mathematically, it seems it's got to be something out there, some life. Well, just because they haven't been here now, does that mean that they can't be here in the future? Well, no, it's not I mean, saying that. It's just like the paradox of if it's so mathematical, why? I mean, and the fact that there's no evidence. I mean, there's anecdotes and people's stories and things and the conspiracies right? of cover ups, but there's not like. I'm not ready to say there's no evidence. You think you, you think there's some evidence, Roswell? I have. I mean, I haven't examined all the evidence. I haven't gone down that rabbit trail so much. Right. I mean, all, all I can say is that I haven't investigated it, and I haven't yeah. seen concrete proof that proof that there isn't. But that's proving a positive, and that's is that like impossible, ar so. argument for silence or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not an argument for anything. <laughs> yeah. What were we talking about before I got distracted by that light? <laughs> I don't even remember. Something about hell? Something about hell. Or universalism. Yeah. Oh, church and not oh. being offended. Yeah. I think that's, I think that if you can get to a place where you're not repulsed by people's views, I think that's a healthy place. In in psychology, uh, Dr. Schnarch, I think that's a hilarious <laughs> name. He does a lot of like marriage stuff and sexual uh, therapy. He talks about differentiating and not, you know, being who you are, being your own person, not attaching to other people's beliefs and this and that, and being okay with, he talks about it in the context of your wife or spouse, but being okay with differentiating from other people, having different beliefs, all this shit. 
I think that's a healthy place to be. You're not, you can be informed by others. You can hang out with others. You you can, but you, you don't have to, you can walk away and be like, yeah, I think you're wrong. And that's cool. That's fine. That's okay. I mean, I think if you get to know anybody, I think if you get to know anybody, you're eventually going to find out areas where you disagree. I think that's just kind of inevitable. So if you don't, if you're not able to get past that, I think you're looking at a pretty lonely existence. If you're looking to have any kind of depth of relationship. I mean, yeah. And, and even if you have a bunch of people around you who think like you, it's, it still can be my, my, I, well, I don't want to lie and say I didn't enjoy my time in the church, but sometimes it seemed really lonely. It seemed really lonely after obviously losing your community and all that stuff. Yeah. But then when you really evaluate it, you're like, wow, I was pretty lonely then too, because you hid a lot of shit. You hid your insecurities, you hid your, um, doubts, your skepticism of the faith or whatever for fear of like, uh Oh, Matt's backsliding or Matt's going down a wrong, the wrong route, a slippery slope. And so you can still feel pretty lonely when surrounded by a bunch of people. And I'm not saying that's my experience all the time. And that's one of the things I miss about the evangelical church is like having friends and, (laughs) you know, who, who you saw all the time. And even as an introvert, like going to band practice and I didn't like the music, but it was still fun to play music with people you liked. It wasn't the music you choose to play if you're in a band or something. It's still fun though. It's still fun to play drums and guitar. Um, play dodgeball after church and do whatever we're doing as as young adults and having fun having video game night with a bunch of people coming over and just being stupid but i actually remember doing that stuff and liking it it's it's weird to say but i i was a part of that yeah you're a part of the dodgeball thing yeah the whole thing i was i wasn't a part of the it's fun like the high school band or anything like that but i was in the orchestra and I enjoyed doing that. Yeah. Um, I was in high school. It was college and then young adult. I think we did. Right. And um, it that, that was fun because the guys I was in the band or the worship team with, like they liked the same music as I did. And it wasn't worship music. Like we all listened to Me Without You and these like really obscure bands right. and post-hardcore bands. And and so that it was still, it was still fun to be around those type of dudes who they had appreciation for the same type of music not just the bullshit music that you played on Sunday and Hell Song and all. And I'm not saying it's terrible music. <laughs> like they're horrible musicians. I'm just saying it was just contrite and, you know, forced. But the, and the camaraderie was, I mean, the, I enjoyed it. It was the camaraderie that you Yeah, had, right? totally. Yeah. yeah. We would even smoke hookah and stuff and, and uh, oh, really? after, yeah. yeah. Even as conservative as the church we went to was and, like one of the dudes brewed his own beer and we'd smoke hookah in the garage after <laughs> worship practice. Wow. And it was, that was fun. So I miss that kind of stuff. <coughs> but then looking back, you're like, man, it's just some parts were really lonely, especially when you have any doubts theologically or doctrinally or anything like that. It can seem really lonely. You're not sure who to turn to. You said this a couple episodes ago, I think like, when you were dabbling in Buddhism, like there's no one who you could talk to except for me and maybe your dad. And that can be really lonely. I mean, 
Some people don't have anyone. They're just like, uh oh, what do I do? I mean, that's in a way that's not saying much because I've never really had a big um, social group. Um, I did for a while. I mean, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know if I might have said that, but maybe I wasn't thinking. Did it really change anything? Like, I I never really had friends that I w- I've been able to talk about this stuff with. Um, Just theology in general, theology God in, ge- in general. I mean, yeah. You've been the first friend I've ever had, really, that I've been able to talk in depth with. I mean... No, because the Bible studies and shit that we'd go to was not in depth. It was so surface level stuff. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't really about the Bible. That's not why we were going. I don't think that's not why I was going. No, I was going. There might have been some cute girls or something. And yeah, I like I mean, my friends. Right. Friends and I think that's what we were all going for. Even like even worship practice, we'd do this. Like the, all, the only thing we would ever do that was God centered. <laughs> other than the music i guess and the lyrics but was like we'd pray before or something we'd sit around and talk about the set and all this stuff and the songs were playing and only because you were supposed to yeah but then we do a prayer do you have any prayer requests but i don't think i was never that honest you were never like yeah i've been looking at a ton of porn and i need to figure out how to not be addicted to that and it's starting what to the fuck? towards the gay stuff so yeah i've yeah. been looking at some gay shit and i'm not sure what to do with that what do you guys think <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> could you imagine does anyone have any prayer requests i've been looking at a shit ton of gay porn um you guys got a bible verse for me or something <laughs> But seriously, I was never I was never that honest about that stuff. About any stuff that you're going not that on not like whatever that that is. You're never that Maybe honest. like in general terms that I've masturbated, but like Yeah, but that's easy. Every dude I mean we all knew if you're masturbating. We all knew you masturbated. You knew I masturbated. If you're a dude, like, okay, we masturbate. That's 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 what happens. So, you, but the real taboo stuff you can never be too too honest with. You can never be like, oh, I read this book on Buddhism and I'm really really gravitating towards it. <gasps> oh my god! Now we really need to pray. I mean, it, it seems weird that we'd put that on par with uh, pornography, but it really was, <laughs> wouldn't it? You I couldn't mean, talk about that. I don't think you couldn't be like, I read Nietzsche. And I think he has some really good things to say. I think he has some good things to say. Who's Nietzsche? Oh, he's a prominent atheist. (gasps) (laughs) It'd be dead silent in that room, dude. Uh, Yeah, definitely. I remember watching Hitchens' uh, videos. Christopher Hitchens, the uh, atheist debater. He would debate some theists, and I'd just be like, William Lake Craig. No, I don't know if if he debated William Lake Craig. But he would debate these theists, and I'd be like, damn, man. He won again. He won that debate. So what do I do with that? And I remember I couldn't, I didn't talk to anyone about that. What did you do with it personally? I mean, well, I, I mean, I sort of got on that fence, like maybe God doesn't exist. So, I mean, it had, I mean, obviously it had some sway with you. Oh, it had, yeah, intellectual sway, but I wouldn't have been able to talk about it though, because eventually I did. But at first, no. 
That's some scary shit, man. I might be going down the path of atheism. That's like one of the worst things you could do as an evangelical is become an atheist. Like you are the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. And no matter what, no matter what kind of person you were, it was just like, that's it. Like Satan got you. And now you're a lost soul. I remember that. I mean, I remember that being the stigma. But I the the whole uh if you if you come across the watch in the forest, that whole argument that that's always been very effective towards me. Like I, I, I don't think I could never be an atheist. Is that like the ontological argument, the watchmaker analogy? Well, it, yeah. I mean, if if there's if you find a watch in the forest, you assume that there's a watchmaker. You assume that somebody sure. made it. Yeah, and that's the, fine. There's rebuttals to that, and that's where sure, I, would get, but, I I would get fucked up from that. I mean, I, I would cha- I change it. I change the the language a little bit now. I mean, um, Sat Chit Nanda being consciousness bliss. I mean, as long as there's some form of existence, I don't that in itself proves that there's a God. So, I mean, at least now, I'm totally beyond atheism. Oh, I would say I am too. <clears throat> I would just, I would have some empathy and sympathy with, with atheists. And most of them are really good people. There are some, there are some militant atheists that approach things fun, like fundamentalists. Right. Certainly that. But I have some... But they're empathy. all cut in, sorry, in uh, deism. Right? A lot of them are. Yeah. A lot of them. A lot of the new atheists, especially. Right. Yeah, that David Bentley Hart, The Experience of God, really, I was not an atheist when I read that, but it was like, damn, like this whole idea of naturalistic philosophy, kind of, he just blows apart that whole thing. Like, like you can explain everything with nature. Well, no, you can explain everything that exists with nature, but I don't think you can explain it with existence as such. Like, it seems kind of absurd. And obviously, David Bentley Hart would put it in a much more articulate and <laughs> cogent way. Cogent, <clears throat> is cogent the right word? Um, uh, re- I mean, that would be relevant, cogent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coherent way, uh, a much it more... It would definitely be cogent. Yeah. It would be. But, yeah. I don't, but I was only there for a little bit. It was an uncomfortable place, but I don't think it was any more uncomfortable than hell or worrying about hell. But you you lost your deism after that. What do you mean after David Bentley Hart's book? After I mean, way before you. But after you, it was after you were an atheist that you started thinking about God differently. Yeah, I just dabbled in the atheism, more agnosticism, I'd say, actually. Okay. And then realizing that, okay, the God I was talking about wasn't really God before. Mm-hmm. It was a deity that we called God. Yeah. But I mean, no more different than Zeus, really. A demiurge? Yeah. No, I mean, different in type, not in kind. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I think. I think that's how a lot of people still think of God. A lot of atheists, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, as most, well. Yeah. Like when they start talking about the God that you don't believe in either, you're just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I don't believe in that. Okay. No I left that yeah. long, long ago. <laughs> and I get where you're coming from because that was the only God, quote unquote, I was given as well. But yeah. And I was never talking about God, yeah. really. 
And to be fair, I thought about God that way until I was 30, probably. When you became an adult. <laughs> when I became, right, right. When my, when my brain matured, that's when I yeah. started thinking about it differently. Uh-oh, my daughter is, I can hear the music coming in from the living room. She's having a dance party. Boom, 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 boom. That girl is always dancing. This girl was at, at dance for seven hours today. Working on routines for a competition. Oh, you need some whiskey, huh? Here yes, we go. Please. That's a lovely sound. <laughs> she was working on, on not only dance competition shit, but just getting ready for a ballet, and this girl's still dancing. It's crazy. Goes back to what you what do you want to do and what do you, what should you do? Mm -hmm. well, you want to do something? You do it big. <laughs> right? I mean do it big, man. She is obviously going places. That's for sure. I think so. She's fucking good, man. And <laughs> I don't just say that as a dad, but she won. Oh, I've seen her. Yeah. yeah. She's won three competitions in a row. In two week or in a week, I guess. She might win a fourth. The whole she might clean sweep the whole competition season. <laughs> I was like, damn. Right. So she'll be a vetted dancer. Yeah. There goes all my money. <laughs> Y'all better support us on Patreon because <laughs> it is expensive. I played sports growing up, man. And, I, you know, in, in retrospect, talking to my mom, how much does that shit cost? Not a lot. Baseball season, it's cheap. Right. Dance, it's it could be a couple hundred easy a month. A month. A month. For one kid. And this is a kid who's dancing all the time, but it's like, I think dance and gymnastics and shit like that. Oh, what are you paying for I mean the um, you pay for tuition the, the, for the, right, the tuition. for the studio right. and tuition for five different dance classes. Then you're paying. She competes, so competition fees, hotels. Oh, you know we're yeah. traveling all the time, yeah, and then right. she also does the ballets. So the you know the local performances at the theaters. It just adds up, man. <laughs> That's why we only got one. <laughs> I don't know how some of these people do it with four or five kids, man. I got we got friends with five kids. My buddy Dan's got four kids, man. A couple of them dance, others do this and that. Yeah. So, damn, man, four kids. You working Woo! for Applers? <laughs> no, he's a he's a UCC pastor. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, shoot. Yeah, so just become a pastor. That's the key. Get that pastor money. <laughs> I never wanted to be a pastor, man. Did you ever want to be a pastor at any time? No. Never? Uh, you never had the itch no. to be a pastor and go preach? I didn't either. If I was going to be a pastor, maybe music, worship pastor. But even then, I never had that itch. I never had the desire. No, I, I don't think I've ever had the urge to lead people in that way. Yeah. Uh, other than being an author, I mean... If I were to not really be the head of anything, but you know what I mean. But if I were to have use my voice in some sort of authority in that kind of way, it would be as an author. Yeah. Being an author is cool. Or, I, I, I mean, like I guess uh, I could see myself as being like a, a, a teaching pastor. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to pray with people. <laughs> I don't want to talk to these people, man. Or do, uh, yeah, like weddings or yeah, uh, funerals, chaplaincy. Funerals, any, no, I wouldn't of, want to do that, but I wouldn't mind standing up and just talking for a while. If you got a script, you got a, I, you got a, a paper yeah. that you wrote. I could do, I could do that, I guess. Every now and then someone invites me to speak and I, I get the itch every now and then. I've always wondered if I should pursue that a little bit. 
then you got to travel and stuff too. That's tough. It's tough to travel. I hate. I, I mean, I hate flying. I you hate you you did not have a very good time flying when we went to the live show for the Heretic Happy Hour in L.A. I, going back was better, but definitely. Uh, you're pretty. I, I, you're I pretty. Of, <laughs> I was out of sorts, you know, the way there. Yeah. You're pretty quiet. It was three in the morning, but you were still pretty quiet. I was like, oh, this motherfucker is quiet, nervous. Quiet for me. <laughs> quiet for you. Yeah, you could be quiet in certain contexts for sure, but it's like, oh, he's he's not having a good time. <laughs> I don't mind it. I I, I used to if not I, like If flying. I did it more, it would be better. Like yeah. I was saying, as long as as long as I know the the procedure of what I should be doing, I do a whole lot better. Um, I just don't like but, the TSA stuff. I get, I, I get nervous about that. No, and it's all in reference to <laughs> to the TSA stuff. That's what makes me nervous. I accidentally, uh, one time when I was flying back from LA, and I knew not to do this, I left a joint in my carry-on. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess I guess now I've since learned that that would be okay flying in 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 the state of California, like you'd be okay. But still, I was like, no, I still wouldn't do it. Oh my I god, I couldn't it. imagine like a German Shepherd coming over to my bag and sniffing that Chevy. I'd be I'd be dripping sweat. I could not, <laughs> I could not handle it at all. I was excited when I got home. I was like, oh sweet, a joint. <laughs> But I was like, oh, all's God. well that ends well. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't know about it. If I if I I would never try to do that. If you would have known about it, you would have been caught. Or, or, Maybe or whatever. Maybe would have happened. Maybe I went to Disneyland one time and I accidentally left. Um, I don't know what it was. It was like uh, you know, if you get it, you know, you you got like just this little case of something, just whatever. It's a little plastic something, and it uh, it was from a dispensary. There was nothing in it. I, I knew not to bring weed in Disneyland, but I didn't know I had this. And it said on the back, like, the THC content of something. Right. And so it was obviously that, you know, marijuana was in this mm -hmm. case or vial mm -hmm. at one point <laughs> 20 minutes ago. Before, <laughs> before if, that, yeah. if that, right. And uh, I remember the dude gave me so much shit. He was like, you have any marijuana? I was like, no, I didn't realize I had that. And he's like, have you smoked marijuana today? And I was like, what, how is that? Any? And this is after, you know, cannabis was legal in California. I told him, I was like, that's yeah. none of your business, what I did before this. I said, I didn't bring marijuana. I know it's not park policy. You can search me. I, I don't have weed with me. But what I did earlier has not, like, I that's, that's none of your business. <laughs> I was no, a bit of an ass. About it, but no, but, and he's obviously not a pothead. I mean, n n yeah, uh, yeah, not obviously, but I bet I, I, I guarantee like to... people who work for Disney smoke weed. Some people, guaranteed. Oh, some for sure. Yeah, I mean, the question is, is, <laughs> is it a large majority or just a slight majority? I bet it's yeah. the same, same percentage <laughs> as the rest of us, man. And I, I get where someone like that's coming from. It's like, okay, I can't. It's finally, I got to do some security stuff and I got this pothead. But I was just up front with him like, I don't have weed. I didn't mean to bring that. You can have it. Oops. Throw it away. Whatever. I don't need it. But don't ask me what I did earlier this morning. Like, yeah, that's, that's not that's cool. ridiculous. Like, dudes could show up 
wasted and they could have drank a six pack of beer and then went to Disneyland and yeah, you know, so yeah, there's still that stigma on, on, on cannabis. It's, it's still weird. I think it's changing though. It's changing. It's changing. It's, um, which is good. Like these, these sort of things never work. Prohibition didn't work. Drug war didn't work. It, it, it just no, doesn't I, work. Yeah. I, mean, I think at least that much should be obvious by now. Right. I always, I always point out that you'd have never known who Al Capone was without prohibition. Just like we probably wouldn't know who MS-13 is, that you know, that Mexican drug cartel gang, if drugs weren't right. illegal. Right. You know, it's like, it's one of those things, like, prohibitions don't work. Prohibition of anything doesn't work. We have the prohibition of porn in the church, and like we said in the last show, the Bible Belt. Right. They're beating off just as much as the rest of us. Right. I'm pretty sure they're preaching that in the Bible Belt, if I'm not greatly mistaken. Oh, you know they are. Every Sunday, baby. Got to make the church before the football game starts. (laughs) Right. So you can go off and have some beers afterwards. Yep. Go have some beers. Maybe get a quick whack in the morning, you know. (laughs) It just doesn't work. Telling people what not to do doesn't work. It works. I mean, it works to some degree, I think. Uh, well, to some degree for a while. For yeah. a while. I mean, it, I think it I think it kept people in check, like, during the Inquisitions and shit. Kept people in check, believe, believe certain things. Otherwise, we'll burn you at the stake and shit. Right. right. I mean, we, we could all bring this back to, we could bring this back to the topic of hell. I, mean, it's all, like, I think it's all related to hell, really. Like a professional, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> if you got the doctrine of hell, there's that old adage. Is that the right word? Adage? Yeah. That, I, um, I think so. It's, yeah. it's the justification folks used to burn heres- heretics at the stake. The heretics, or we, we could justify killing them because we're only killing the body. But the heretics are killing the soul. It might have even been Aquinas, Um, but I think it was before Aquinas. Was was it Aquinas? It might have been. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I like a lot of Thomistic stuff. I know your dad's a Thomist. He is. So he's a Universalist as well. Um, And Aquinas wasn't, but I think it was before Aquinas. But uh, if you're listening to the show and you have a philosophy degree, (laughs) you can tell me who that was that first came up with that shit. But it, it seems like it seems like there was really no justification to burn people at the stake without something like hell. Like I I I would challenge you to find a universalist who is killing people like Calvin was, or or, or at all. I mean, <laughs> right? I, I, I would right. be surprised at a like there might be a universalist out there who committed murder because they did some stupid shit. I mean. But not a systemic, not because, right? Yeah. Not because of what he believed, though. Yeah, it wasn't I mean, like would... I got to kill you now to <laughs> I mean, spare other people from this hellacious afterlife that's awaiting them because of your stupid ass for saying shit. No, I don't see that at all. Nope. I've never read a historical account on something like that. It's always stuff like Calvin killing Servetus because he wasn't a Trinitarian. <laughs> it's like, god damn. Could you imagine? Can you imagine killing? I mean, I don't know. There's still grace for Calvin. I'm not saying Calvin goes to hell forever. Maybe a little purgatory or something. 
<laughs> Which no, I I uh, I myself will probably need a couple years of purgatory if that's how it works out. If that's if that's the way it works out, yeah. yeah if that's the analogy, yeah, I definitely I got to do a little time. I got to sit there and think about it. I got to be on timeout for a minute. Think about what I did. All yeah. of us do. That's what that's Paul's point. He makes this point. I think in uh oh, am I gonna be able to snag it? It's in my head oh. somewhere. Oh, shit. I'm going to show how dumb I am. <laughs> First Corinthians 3, 3 through 5. I don't think that's right. I but he, no the wood, hay, and stubble, uh, where he says like everyone goes through the fire, uh, burns up the wood, hay, and stubble, but the soul is saved, you know, mm-hmm. even only just, you know. I mean, that's my quick translation. And I, I think it's, it's verses 3 through 5. I forget the chapter. Fuck. But everyone passes through the fire. Jesus makes the point in Mark 9 that everyone passes through the fire the fire is good it's and it's for it's to purify something you know it's to uh it's to burn away the bullshit right and like we've talked about before it it may just be uh in a blink of an eye an instant when we it may just take you know a couple milliseconds and we've right and we've totally realized where we've gone wrong and yeah it could be i mean we need to adjust it could be this whole business of like it's outside of time and space, you know. It's like it's it's different. Maybe time doesn't exist in that realm, quote unquote. But if we did think about it in terms of time, I got no problem being like, "Okay, God, you don't need to show me how I fucked up. I'll tell you how I fucked up. I did this, this, and this, and this. This is my attitude. I wasn't in the moment. I had a huge ego. I was a, I was narcissistic. I was this and that. Do what you got to do real quick. And I don't think it's going to take a lot of time. Just fix me <laughs> fix all that shit i don't want to do that shit you know i don't want to look at porn when i know it's re- like i don't i no. shouldn't be looking at porn it's not healthy it's not helping me and then but you're you're in the moment of doing some bullshit like that you know and i'm not i'm not gonna shame people who look at porn or anything but i don't think it's healthy for me but if you succumb to something like that yeah i don't i don't need a year of purgatory for that well just, would... just fix that I don't want to be drawn to that shit that I don't really want to do. And I, I mean, I would say that's enough punishment. I mean, there's this, uh, maybe not necessarily Christian, but this idea that you ha- piling punishment up, uh, on top of punishment, putting hell on top of the um, natural consequences of your actions. Um, that That seems ridiculous. I mean... It seems like just the silliness, waste of time of looking at porn. Yeah, that, you, that, just, that's you just want to be punishment enough. Right. It seems like it does seem like that when you do something like that, or something you don't want to do, something you know is not healthy for you. You know that there's going to be some natural consequences and that should be enough. And you got to you got to deal and with if, them. You got to face them. And if they're if there aren't natural consequences, then why was it really that bad? I mean, it seems like the fact is there are natural consequences. Of course. To doing everything. Yeah. That's uh, why I always like laugh at, well, I don't laugh. I mean, maybe I laugh a little bit inside when people are like, tell gay people that what they're doing is wrong. And it's like, when you listen to a gay person who's like, let's say they've been married or they are married and they're happy and they're loving and they live the same lives we do. It's like, where's the natural consequence for them? They're more loving. They're happier. They're more blissful. 
They're content. That's uh, okay. There's a penis and an anus. Yeah. And somehow you're going to tell them that's wrong. It's like, that's, it seems like if something's wrong, there is a natural consequence. I mean, yeah, you can get away with some shit for a while, but maybe there's like a psychological problem. There's a spiritual thing. Like it just eats at you. You know, it's wrong. You can get away with looking at porn a bunch of times and never get caught. Your mom doesn't walk in, <laughs> you walk in on you. She doesn't catch, she doesn't look at your internet browser and you get away with it. But inside it might be like, you know, eating at you or something. Well, that's the natural consequence, the guilt, the shame, this and that. But it's like, I mean, you, I think the natural consequence is that it's totally unfulfilling. I mean, yeah, totally. Oh, for me, it is like, it's never been something where you feel fulfilled, but it's, it's one of those things where I think even Augustine said this. And as much as I should on Augustine, I think he was right in this, in what he says. And I know Jamal's mentioned this too. And I like to point out to Jamal that it was Augustine that mentioned this. <laughs> that gets him. Um, that even our sin is like misdirected energy that you're trying, you're trying to do something good, yeah. but it's just misdirected the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. So with like porn, you're trying to connect with another person sexually, spiritually, physically, and it's just misdirected. And I think that's a, that's actually a really good for me. I mean, I know there's other good definitions of sin, but to me, it seems like I would rather give someone the benefit of the doubt for the most part and say that their sin is just a misdirected energy as something that they think might be good or healthy or what they need. It seems true in my life. It seems that anytime I've done some stupid shit, well, why'd you do this stupid shit? Well, you felt deficient in this area. Or you're trying to connect in this way. You're, I mean, just, you're not connecting in the right way. Explaining it that way actually makes me want to do things correctly. I mean... Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, just telling me that I'm a bad person doesn't make me really want to change, but... No, it makes, no, you, just, want to, it makes you want to be worse. <laughs> Fuck I, you, don't tell me what to do. Right, well, yeah, I mean, you see, well, I mean... I don't see myself changing anytime soon, so I guess I might as well just lean into it. Yep. I mean, but just seeing that, but to say that's just misdirected energy, that um, it's encouraging. I mean, it's saying yeah. that the energy is okay. You just have to focus it a little bit. The better. heart's in the right place. It it's, might be in the right place. It's not saying that you're rotten to the core, <laughs> yeah. which is the way it, uh, sometimes it feels like people are telling you. Um, yeah. One that in that instance, it's like, well, it doesn't matter what I do because I'm already rotten to the core. I'm going to do this. <laughs> but it doesn't make you want to change. Never makes you want to change. No. Every young man's battle. You ever read that shit? Uh, thankfully, no, I did. Uh, I did. But... It didn't make you want to change. <clears throat> Don't beat off. Don't beat off. It's bad. Don't beat off. That's what that's my interpretation of it. That didn't make me beat off less. Didn't make me look at porn less when I was reading that. I don't remember when I was 15, 16, 17, 18, something like that. I didn't look at less porn because of that. But if you'd have told me, well, this is your sexuality is sacred. Your, you know, all this is all sacred. This is if you talked about it in that language, I would have probably been more inclined to not do those sort of things. This is going to be un this is unfulfilling. This is why because you don't want to uh objectify women in these porns 
the porn industry is can be horrible in many ways and it puts women in this spot that's not realistic it makes them do things that they don't really want to do it you know you put things in that way it's like okay so it's a mis it's a misdirected energy it's not because you're just a piece of shit and you can't control your urges so stop well yeah. telling me to stop doesn't work <clears throat> sorry that's not the way human nature works don't don't touch the hot stove okay i'm gonna go touch the hot stove don't push the red button well let's, I, just, let's just see what happens <laughs> i feel like it it would have been better if like maybe the pastor said you know you can jerk off but just don't look at porn like <laughs> <laughs> you, you you can get rid of the energy but uh you know don't go there maybe i used to do that kind of shit I used to try to think of nothing and then beat off. I and I and I used to yeah. like think like, well, what if I beat off and I think about a refrigerator <laughs> or nothing, just baseball, baseball, you know, like that whole thing, like try not to get a boner, baseball, baseball, baseball. <clears throat> what if I'm thinking about baseball because I was playing baseball and I just jerked off? <laughs> what is, is that? that a, is that a sin? That's the type of shit you always do mentally. You try to get around it. You have the prohibition, and then you're like, okay, how can I get around it? Because I don't think the act of beating off was like the big deal. The problem was lusting after women or sex or this and that. Okay. But if you can get around it, maybe you can, you know. So you've never done it just because it felt good? No, I have. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying like when I was younger, I would try to, I would do it or think of these scenarios where I could do it where it wasn't sinful. Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong oh, with exploring no, right. yourself and your I, body I and you're touching saying. yourself yeah. in a certain way. I think people but, should do that and not have to... Uh, but back then, you're saying the problem was the lust. It wasn't... That was my view. I mean, that was my understanding of it. It wasn't necessarily feeling horny. It was the... the uh, it was going through with the act and the act only could... The act of masturbating could only be like assuaged with pornography or something like that. And so in my mind, it's like, okay, how can I do it without pornography? And is that still a sin? Because nothing you're telling me says that I can't touch myself. That was my understanding. It's not that you couldn't touch yourself. <laughs> it was that you couldn't lust after anything. So if you could do it in such a way where you weren't lusting, you could. it's like a loophole in the sin system. <laughs> well, that's, I think, and that's back to what I just said. I mean, if they told you that, uh, is this, that you can get rid of that energy it's okay if you get rid of the energy without thinking these sinful thoughts i was never told that were you i wasn't but yeah. because for me right now the problem is the act itself is not a problem to me it's sure. where you bring in the extra marital images you know sure. that's where that's where i have a problem but just um and yeah, I, I would I would say to that, like, it's not necessary, like, it's then the root of that is to get to the get to the root of it, get to the spot where, well, why am I ha why am I desiring these extramarital situations? But again, it wouldn't yeah. come back to the, it wouldn't come back to the fact that like, okay, don't masturbate, don't don't have these urges, don't have these desires. 
refocus the energy and address the situation right. that leads to the things that you don't want to do or you right. say isn't healthy. That, But I think all that sort of stuff is not getting to the root of things. Because in the evangelical world especially, we don't, we don't talk about the root of things. We just talk about the bad things we shouldn't do. I mean, we talk about sin and Satan and the fallen nature of man, but I don't think we have a healthy psychology in the evangelical world. Say, I never had a pastor who's like, well, you need to develop a really, really uh, mature sexuality. It's like, no, my premarital counseling was not, not that. Um, go explore yourself. Go explore your body. It's okay to masturbate. Go touch yourself. Feel what feels good. Sit there in meditation and explore your sexuality when you're all by yourself. What? You'd have never had a pastor say that shit. You know? I don't no, know. No, and that's the problem. It's all or nothing. I mean, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, I can see how that was, uh, why it was put, like, first thing in the Bible in Genesis. It was sometimes we, the things, we label things as evil too easily. Um, Wait, yeah, flippantly. Um, I mean, I would say that touching yourself is not a sin. Um, no. And I, and I wouldn't, sometimes I, I don't even think that like cancer is evil. I mean, uh, cancer can put you in certain situations where you get closer to your family. Um, yeah, suffering. I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's cancer. evil per se. But yeah, it's it's suffering. It's terrible. You can turn it. You can turn it into good in a way. That's what I think God does. Like all of our suffering, I think gets transformed. That's like the Buddhist. The uh, is it the Four Noble Truths? I'm going to butcher this because they're not right in front of me. I'll Suff- have no no way of knowing. Suffering so, exists. Um, suffering exists. There's a path out of suffering. This is the. Eventually, it gets to this is the path out of suffering. So it's an acknowledgement that suffering exists. It's a reality, but there's always a path out of it. That's why I think I got to, I got to be a universalist. That's the only way I can explain suffering is that everything eventually gets redeemed, reconciled. Suffering ends. It has its place. I wouldn't call it a good. I wouldn't say it's ne- necessary that suffering exists. Like goodness is goodness without the opposite. But suffering can still be turned into a good or will be. And that doesn't diminish the suffering because suffering is horrible. It can be very terrible, but it's still God, I think, is powerful and sovereign and loving enough to even transform the most horrific suffering. Right. I mean, when you say horrific suffering, that kind of changes things. Like well, there, I mean, there, like kids things, dying of cancer. Or no, I mean, there's I mean, things like, now that you say that, that I can obviously say have no place in um, in the good life, for lack of a better word. Like, Yeah, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Sure. Well, heaven, nirvana. Yeah. yeah. But then at the same time, like, again, this is, this is why I'm a universalist. Because all that stuff doesn't diminish any of it but knowing that everything gets redeemed at least helps me not be an atheist. (laughs) I don't know. Like suffering's, 
you know, if any good atheist worth their salt is, uh, is that the phrase is going to talk about suffering? Cause that's, t- that's the toughest. That's the biggest one. Theodicy, right? They say the problem of evil, the problem of suffering, whatever. But if you have an eschatology that suffering gets redeemed or there's an end to suffering, well, I can live with that, I guess. It's not perfect, but... Yeah, I mean, if that weren't the case, that wouldn't make me not believe in God. It would just... I wouldn't think that God is good. But, But still, I exist, so... You know, there's some there's something that's sustaining my existence, and I would have to call that a god. But because I, I, I don't think it's a logical impossibility uh, to say that God is not, as we would say, good. I guess it's um, logically possible, but I, you point this out in our first book: is that if the goodness of God is not what we can call good, then language essentially becomes meaningless. <laughs> like, um, no, I, I would, I would take true. it so far yeah. to say that like nihilism, we should just become nihilists. And that just doesn't seem, <laughs> that doesn't seem that rational or, uh, helpful to our daily existence. If we, if we follow the natural consequences of having a God that isn't uh, good, uh, we should just uh, resort. We should. There's no reason why we shouldn't be nihilists, right? Yeah. No, I, I and I don't disagree. No. Yeah. I wouldn't think you would. Um, yeah. I guess it's logically possible, but again, I mean, I would say that this is where it, it does take a little bit of faith. I mean, I think I think right. there's a lot of evidence that points to a good God. I mean more evidence that outweighs, you know, the contrary. Um, I hope so. I think, I think so. That's yeah. (laughs) For me, it does. That's why I've concluded that. Yeah. I think there is a God. I think God is good, but I think it's an argument. I don't think it's not, it's not necessarily a given. If you don't see it that way, I can totally understand why you don't see it that way. Right. Because again, like you said, it does take faith. I think there's an element of faith or trust. I like the word trust a little better. Right. I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, it does take a little bit of trust. And when there's trust, there's a little bit of mystery. There's a little bit of unknown. It's not, it's not a deductive certainty. Like if you give me a deductive argument that is logical and sound, it's like, okay, I can't. If you give me two plus two is four, can't argue against that. But when we talk about God, when we talk about all these big ideas, there's an element of mystery or trust or faith. It's not um, my universalism. And I've heard, your, I've heard your dad say this. I've heard you say it. We've talked about it a bunch. My universalism is not a deductive certainty thing. It's a different type of knowing, a different type of epistemology, I think. I can yeah. put forth sound arguments, but there's always going to be a question on maybe one of the premises. There's always going to be like, uh, I don't know about this premise. It's sound, it's logical, but I would, I would disagree on the premise. Yeah. I would disagree on the premise of free will or predestination or this and that. Um, and you're entitled to do that. But for me, I'm at where I'm at and I, and I feel happier. I feel the fruit, what Paul would call the fruits of the spirit. <laughs> Galatians five, I believe. 
22 and 23. Uh, if your life has all those fruits of the spirit, I'm not going to discredit those. Those seem much more quote unquote real than even a deductive proposition. Not believing in hell has led to good fruit for me. I've heard that from a lot of people who are universalists or inclusivists or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine uh, with your with your health among among other things. I mean, <laughs> it's a healthy way of living. You might be ostracized. You might um, you might have some people angry with you, but psychologically, it's it's been helpful. It's been good. Yeah. Well, I think that's. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to call it a night. Just chill, man. Yeah. What say ye? Sounds good. Yeah. This is this has been fun. Episode five, and please subscribe. Tell your friends. Podbean, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, yeah. Make sure you subscribe. Share it on social media. If you enjoy the conversation, that's awesome. We got a Facebook group. Uh, join it. Nice. Come hang out with us. Don't start shit. Just come be chill. Don't be a fucking asshole. Yeah, don't, as always, don't, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, hey, Barrett, are you over there in the corner? Why don't you play us out <laughs> with, with your full band? <laughs> Peace and love, everyone. Yeah, make the world a better place. See you guys.